my name is Bob, and uh, that picture is a little old, so I'll be sending out a new one. <laughs> uh, but I look, I look the same, right? I said I look the same, and my son said, "No, back then here was bigger." I said, "So are you saying I was fatter, huh, son?" <clears throat> Anyways, it's good to be here. It's great to be back in America. We have not, or I haven't been home for like two and a half years because of COVID. And uh, that was a long journey to not be journeying and traveling. Uh, The boys haven't been home for four years. um, And so they're having a blast this summer. Uh, Logan, would you stand up? It's my oldest son, Logan. He's 13. And uh, he likes baseball and the electric guitar. Uh, and after this month, he likes Casey's. Uh, Landon, would you stand up? This is my youngest son, Landon. Okay. He's eight. Uh, let's see, what do you like? He likes Minecraft, um, Fortnite. Uh, he likes his dad. And maybe. And Casey's. All right. No. Quick trip. He's a quick trip man. No. Uh, we got. And what? And the Dodgers. And the Do- Oh, you don't like the Dodgers. Okay. Anyways, my youngest son is quite lively. Um, no. Uh, it's it's so, so good to have sons. Uh, right, Mom and Dad? Amen. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Uh, but it's great to be here with you guys. And, you know, I was thinking today. I can't remember uh, who was pastor before you guys, and then there was an interim pastor for a year. I was thinking, that was a long time ago. Uh, and so coming to Knoxville is almost like like the drive home, you know? Uh, coming here, and you guys are here, and the worship is always so good, and seeing familiar faces, some new faces as well. But, you know, it's just like it's coming home to a community that, that we know that, that is praying for us. You guys support us financially, support us in prayer, um, in friendship. And it's just great to be able to be here and to be able to to be with you. I think we learned during COVID how important it is to be with people. Zoom is great, um, but you can't, you just miss so much when you're not like in the, in the same room, in the same space as somebody. And so really a, a pleasure to be here. Um, through COVID, uh, as you all experienced, we went through some changes in ministry, uh, Every church around the world had to figure out how they're going to be online or offline or what's going to happen. Uh, the church dynamic, from what I've seen, has changed a lot after COVID as well, right? Some people never came back. Uh, and I, I guess that's their choice. But uh, moving right along. Uh, anyways, uh, so much happened. And in Thailand, when the pandemic first started, the first year of 2020, they shut things down. They locked the country down. And they did a really good job of containing COVID. So in 2020, when it was going crazy over here and, and numbers were just astronomical, we had almost no COVID cases each day. The, the, the downside to that is that you cannot contain it. And one day it's going to arrive. And so it arrived in 2021. We started having clusters and outbreaks. And so we just recently um, became open uh, this past spring. And so we, we last minute planned our trip because we were waiting to find out if we could go back to Thailand. Getting to America is easy. Uh, Landon, God bless America. We're watching fireworks. That's what he said every two seconds. God bless America. Um, but getting back to Thailand was a challenge because they, wouldn't, they were not allowing people to get back in. 
And so um, this past spring, they allowed us people to travel freely, come back without having to quarantine. Uh, and so we purchased our tickets and got to come home before school starts in like two, three weeks for the boys back there in Bangkok. Um, and so uh, we had to figure out what we're going to do. We had a trip planned. Uh, a lot of the ministry that I do is planning a trip with John Smithwick and Global Ventures. Uh, David and Marlena uh, are part of that ministry, and they come over once a year. And I live on the ground there, and I work with the pastors in the planning, in training them how to do discipleship and follow-up ministry, and getting everything ready for the team to come. Well, 2020, the country shut down, and people were not allowed in. And, you know, it's kind of weird because we've been doing this together for about 18 years. And this year, I'd already gone to this province to do like the scouting out trips and to kind of get a feel for the land and everything. And normally, I have to go two or three times and convince the pastors that we should do an outreach, which is a challenge. Um, and then to find locations, it's not always the easiest because we're wanting to have large, as large of crowds as we can, but we also want it to be effective. Uh, we don't want to just do a Christian event. We want it to be outreach where it's not 90% believers. We want 90% non-believers. And there's a, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a challenge to find those locations. Um, and so we're scouting out these places, possible places for outreaches. And I was so excited because this province, number one, we went there the first meeting. We had three or four churches on board, ready to go. They're like, we're doing it. If anybody else wants to join, great. If they don't, that's fine. Uh, I was like, this is great. We went out and looked at places. And I, I just, inside, when you get so excited because you're thinking, this, this might be like the best year that we ever, we've ever had. Uh, and then COVID came and we had to, we had to, we had to postpone and, and it was, it was, it wasn't clear, right? We didn't know what was going to happen anywhere in the world. Didn't know where we were, what was going to happen with COVID. Was it going to, was it going to kind of dwindle out? Was the vaccine going to come? Was it going to, was it going to get worse? Uh, so it wasn't like we knew we have a two year time where we're not going to be doing anything. It was month by month. So we kept delaying the trip and postponing and rearranging things for two years. Uh, but the, I'm happy to say that they are coming in November, and we are going to be able to have that trip in that province. And uh, excited for that, and we'll be giving you guys an update for that as well. But... Um, so it was just one month at a time, just postponing and, and putting things off. Well, uh, I'm a little bit like my dad. I have a hard time sitting still sometimes. And uh, so we had, to, we had to figure out what to do. Like, what, are we going to just let these, these pastors, this, this amazing group of pastors that are ready to, to do outreach, just sit there for, for indefinitely? Uh, so what I started to do, we've, we've trained people in Thailand on how to do outreach before. It's never been like our main focus. It's been more of, of preparing for a team and we working with the team and, and then doing the follow-up and the discipleship. So we decided we're going to train these pastors in these churches how to do outreach. And I have a picture, the first picture. Um, what we do when, when Global Ventures comes over, uh, they have the gospel divided into five different parts. And what's amazing uh, about what they do is that it's not one person and the limelight's not on one evangelist or one minister or one, one teacher it's people in the team, and they all memorize a portion of the gospel, and, and there's, it's, it just keeps it more lively. When you're not a Christian and you're listening to something that you don't fully understand, and it's one person for 45 minutes, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. 
especially when you're not used to it. We're used to it. We've, we've, we've been conditioned and we've done this for a while. We know what it's like to come to church and listen to somebody, uh, give a, give a message, but they don't. And so changing up people, it's really good. And we have different little skits and things. And so we took that very same script and we taught the Thai pastors and their team. And so we would go there. This is the rehearsal. We rehearsed many days um, because they were nervous. Uh, and they, they, they did a really, really, really good job. We did this uh, in 2020, in December, uh, at one location. I was leaving. Uh, it was like December, I don't know, it was December 26th or something. I was leaving to go back to Bangkok. It's about a two-hour drive. And coming back for the 29th to do the next outreaches. And by the time I got to Bangkok, there had been a cluster in that region. And the government said you can't do anything uh, publicly or have any groups gather. So we couldn't do the rest. Christmas 2021, which was just this last Christmas, we were able to do the three remaining churches that are involved with us. And the next picture is one of those outreaches. Uh, This is at a a house church, a nice uh, elderly couple live here. They've retired there and they have a heart to, to dedicate their land and their house to the Lord. And so they meet there on Sunday mornings and they, they passed out flyers and they just blanketed the area. We had the, we had to have all the, you know, the right things, take, take, take your temperature and have the alcohol and have everyone wear masks. Um, but it was a real success to see them doing it. And one of the things that we, we do every, every year with, with the Global Ventures is the pastors come and they're a little leery, you know, cause this is, this is what I, what I have to fight against a little bit with the pastors there. Uh, and I get this response a lot is that evangelism doesn't work here. We've tried it. It doesn't work. Uh, and a foreigner comes in and says, it's okay. Let's try it. And they say, you don't understand. You're not Thai. You haven't been here long enough. Trust me, evangelism doesn't work. And we go round and round and round. Uh, and then we, we, we do it because it's, they're, they're, they're in a hard place because they know they're supposed to, but they kind of like want to do it, but they don't really think it's going to create any fruit. And so we do it and they kind of do it a little bit half-heartedly. And then at the end of the week, they're like, this was awesome. Next year, come back here. And if you, if we would have known it was going to be this great, we could have done this and we could have done that. And I said, you guys, this was your year. Why did you not, you know? So, uh, these, these guys in these two years, it's been actually a blessing because they've done it themselves and they've seen the results and they're excited. Now they're like, oh, when we have the team come and it's going to be, you know, instead of 120 people, it's going to be however many hundreds of people. They're, they're on board. They're excited. These two years, normally, uh, I'm playing catch up a little bit with my job because you're, you're trying to plan a team trip for 50 or 60 or 70 people. And I don't know if you guys, you know, John, right? And he likes to push the envelope. And he said, can we do four provinces at once? I'm like, brother, I'm struggling to get one done per year because of the work that it takes. And uh, so now, before I came home this trip, I met another group of pastors in a group that's near to this this area. And uh, they want to do outreach. And they're on board as well because they were friends with, with one of these pastors. And so they are going to come in November and see what it's like. So we're, we're finally able to plan out ahead and just believe that God's going to do amazing things. 
and continue to, to allow us to be able to do more uh, in evangelism in Thailand. Thailand has 70 million people and less than a half percent are Christian. Um, we've had missionaries for 150, maybe 170 years, and this is still where we're at. And so we don't, we, we don't say, we don't, we don't, we don't quit, right? Just because it's difficult doesn't mean we should stop doing it. Or just because it's not happening in Thailand like it's happening in India or, or some other place where they have all these amazing crusades doesn't mean that we don't do the work because they're still uh, there. God still loves them. And our commission, the Great Commission, is to still go into that portion of the world and to preach the gospel to them. And so we keep doing it. Uh, but we need to do better. And so what what's happened in these last two years is we've really seen that training the nationals to do the evangelism and also the follow-up and also the, the planning uh, at a provincial level so f- for the whole province so that that province has an evangelism team which could then, which it's multiple churches. It's not one church, which is beautiful because churches are a little bit territorial in Thailand, only in Thailand, I hear. Um, but uh, anyways, in Thailand, they, uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's just, it's the way it is. But when it's a team and it's not one person or it's not, well, you know, I don't like that person, but it's just, it's, it's more of a group effort. It's a team effort, which is the way that the body was created to function, right? It wasn't supposed to be one person or one church or, or one gift. And so our focus going the next 10, 15 years is to train evangelism teams in every province in Thailand. We have 76 province, son? Yeah. He said that sounds right. 76 or 77 um, provinces in Thailand. So we have some work to do. But I believe that there's this synergy that's happening. And what I've seen in the culture of Thailand is that they're becoming so hungry uh, for hope. I think COVID caused a lot of people to lose hope. And everyone's living in fear. Um, I, I've started uh, with with. John and the ministry there. We've started um, 12 churches in the past uh, 17 years. And I can tell you that there's times when you're, we're passing up tracks and you're evangelizing to people. This is not when the team's there. It's when I'm out maybe on my own or with the church team. Uh, and I'll talk with the people. And I get this more than once. The, the, the response to them, because Buddhism, which Thailand is predominantly Buddhist, the response is, if you do good, you'll get good. If you do bad, you'll get bad. It's a very works-based, merit-based uh, uh, religion. And so they'll tell me, my life's okay. So I must be okay. As soon as my life crumbles and I'm at rock bottom, I'll go to church. Because that's everybody that goes to church anyways. And I thought that is their perspective of the Thai church and of the Thai body. I now understand why Thai pastors have such a hard time having having confidence and boldness to be able to say, hey, we are light. Um, and so going through COVID, they need hope. And, and just seeing little bits and pieces of doing some of these outreaches, it's just, it's God's doing something. He's doing something all over the world. I think God's moving things around. I think God's changing things. I think, I think changes are happening in us as we go through these challenges. We're having to learn more. Do I really believe in the promises, or do I believe? 
can I say the V word? No, I'm just kidding. Do I believe more in, in my natural knowledge that I have and in what, what, what modern science tells me to do? Or do I, do I put them together? What, where's my faith? And how do I, how do I, how do I not live in fear? That's the key for me is like, if I'm, whatever we choose to do, am I doing it in fear? And if I'm doing it in fear, then that's a good sign that I'm not doing it in faith, right? And so I believe God's preparing people in churches all over the world and that people are hungry. Thai people are hungry. American people are hungry. Knoxvillians are hungry. And God's going to do a great work. And so be praying for that in November. You know, we, we, I believe, uh, in Ephesians chapter three, uh, or four, where Paul says he gave gifts unto men. He gave apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. But those gifts were given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So, you know, I don't know why we think this way, but if you're not called to be an evangelist, you can still evangelize. If you're not called to be a pastor, you can still do something that a pastor might do, like encourage someone or pray for someone or, or, or teach somebody something that you learned in your devotion. It doesn't mean that, well, I'm not a pastor, so I can't do any of those things. That's not the way that God designed it. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> and so God's going to use everybody. People that aren't in full-time ministry, people that are just church members, elders, whatever, it doesn't matter. God's going to use everybody. Anybody that's willing to, to take a step and to be used by him, God's going to use him. And uh, so we'll, I will keep you updated uh, about how that goes in November uh, and be praying for that. We're, we've got a, a new connection um, uh, that's got this pastor has uh, relationships with pastors in all the provinces, which is something that I don't have. And I'm always struggling with asking friends if they know somebody in this province because we want to go there. And so this might help speed up things. We're just praying, seeing how the Lord leads um, in that partnership. So uh, good things are coming. Another thing that I did uh, in, during COVID is I started to volunteer for an organization called Life Raft. And you can put the next picture up if you want to. Uh, Life Raft was, was founded by a friend of mine named Chris Woodruff who now lives back in America, but he came to Thailand for five years to start Life Raft. Actually, Life Raft is in America, but most of the work is done in their offices in Thailand. Uh, we have about 5,000 Pakistani refugees living in Bangkok, Thailand. Pakistan has a large or a high uh, persecution level uh, towards Christians. It's a very uh, difficult place to live as a Christian. And so these people flee uh, for their safety, for the life, for their, for their kids to have a better future. Um, and so I've been working with Life Raft for the past two years on a part-time basis because I haven't been able to come home. I had the time, and I said, yeah, let's do it. And Chris is moving back home uh, to the States. He moved home about two years ago, which is when I started to, to help them. And so uh, the families there are Christian because they, they, they fled because of Christian persecution, right? Um, sometimes their homes have been... Uh, bombed. Sometimes they've been shot at. They have uh, been physically shot as well, beaten, uh, different things. And so they find themselves in Thailand. And most people think that resettlement is going to happen quickly. Well, it doesn't happen quickly. Uh, bureaucracy and just 
governments, it's just, it takes a long time. So we see refugee families in Bangkok for eight or nine years before they get resettled to Canada, Australia. Those are the two main countries where, where Pakistani refugees go now. And so if we can put that other picture back up there. This is uh, Joshua, which that's not his real name, and his daughter. Uh, the reason you can't see their faces is because we don't show their faces um, just to help protect them. Uh, what what the life is like for a, for a refugee in Bangkok is they live in an apartment that is maybe half the size of the stage. And they don't want to go outside because if they get caught, they don't have a visa. They go to the immigration detention center. And uh, the immigration detention center in Thailand is worse than prison. Uh, they give you three bowls of cucumber soup a day. Uh, you don't see the sun, uh, the, the, you don't get sunlight because you're just stuck in your, in your, in your holding cell. For the men, there's too many men in there. And so you don't have your own room. You don't have a shared room. You have 60 guys in a small room. And at night, there's not enough room on the floor for everybody to lay down and sleep. So half of them sleep and half stand. And halfway through the night, they switch so everybody gets to sleep a little bit. They, uh, men and women are, are separated. Up until two years ago, kids, uh, if their parents were caught, the kids went to the detention center with them. And so we would go visit. Last time mom and dad were there, we took people down to visit them. Uh, what, would, what we do is I, I take the husband's name and my mom would take the wife's name and then we would go in and visit them, bring them food because they don't get food, bring them medicine, bring them, when kids were there, we'd bring books, clothing, um, and then they get to come out of their cell and actually see each other, talk to each other. The kids come out with the mom and the family gets time to, to be together for about 30 minutes. Uh, then they go back to their cells. Um, they don't want to get caught. They don't want to go to the IDC. And so they hide in their room, uh, trying not to get caught. And when we went through COVID and I couldn't leave my house for 60 days, I was going crazy because I just wanted to go out. We would, the boys and I would drive and just listen to music in the car because we could drive, but they didn't want us like, you know, going to the stores and places like that. We would just drive for like an hour listening to music because we just had to get out of the house. Um, and so this is, this is the situation for refugees, um, in Bangkok. And so I continue to work with Life Raft. Uh, this family, they were arrested, and uh, Joshua was arrested. He was in the IDC for two and a half years. And through COVID, where once COVID happened, they shut down all visitations. There's no chance of them going out to get sunlight. They're in their cells, and it's not hygienic. So once COVID hit, everybody got it. And then one person's released, and new people come in. It was just a bad situation. And they weren't given medi medications. They don't give medications to the people in IDC. Um, and when he went to prison, his daughter was nine months old. And so when he got out uh, two and a half years later, the family, he has, he has his, I think it's three daughters. I don't think he has a son. Just three daughters. When he got out and came home, his daughter, who hadn't seen him since she was nine months old, recognized him, yelled, Daddy, and ran up and gave him a hug. And the whole family was surprised because they didn't know if she was going to remember her dad because since nine months old, she hadn't seen her dad. Now she's three. Um, and so they're reunited. They are in Bangkok. I visited with them uh, before coming over this trip. And 
they're doing well. Uh, you can pray for them. Their, their kids are, I think it's 11 and 13 or 12 and 13. Uh, and, and this one is three. They're not going to school right now. Uh, that's one of the biggest challenges with refugees when they can't go out and they don't have uh, uh, proper identification or documentation to go into the schools. So they're, they're lo- losing uh, a couple of years of school while they're in this transition process trying to get somewhere uh, for a better life and better future. So be praying for them. They have been accepted. This family has been accepted or approved uh, to go to Canada. But once that happens, there's still a long process of, of medical checkups and, and making sure the fines are all paid and getting funding and, and everything that, that they have to do. Sometimes it takes another year or two before they get fully resettled. I asked them what's the hardest thing, and they said waiting for an email because they've been, they've been approved, they've been told that they're going to go, and, and then they'll see someone that kind of knows the group that they're working with, like, oh, they said that, that, that you know, Things are happening, and they're going to send you an email, and then three or four months pass by, and they just keep sending and receive, waiting for that email. And uh, so it's, it's a challenge to, to keep your faith. It's a challenge to stay encouraged. It's a challenge to raise a family in a room half the size of the stage, and it's full of beds, and the cooking is done on the balcony, which is about three feet by six feet. And uh, that's just that's their life. And so... Be praying for them. We have about 82 or 83 families that we're working with right now. And we had about 108 last fall. Since COVID kind of opened things up, a lot have been resettled. Um, but there's more people. Our wait list has about another 100 families on it. And so we're just doing the best we can to help them. And what we believe, the purpose of Life Raft is that we believe that as refugees are on their way, they still have a purpose to be a part of and to grow and to add to the church. And so Life Raft partners with local international churches in Bangkok to help them with their work with refugees. Um, it's not easy. There's a lot of cultural challenges. Thailand is very non-confrontational, very quiet and meek, and they are not. They're very in-your-face. Just and, and they're doing it to survive, right? They're doing it because they, if they don't get $20, they don't eat this week, and their kids don't eat this week. And so I understand their situation, but culturally, they're, very, they're much more aggressive. And so add into that uh, an international pastor that's from Australia or America and, and language barriers, because uh, this is, I think I was telling my mom this, a lot of times the Pakistanis, when they talk with pastors and people, just because of English, their, their lack of fully understanding English, they'll say things like, uh, Pastor Doug, you must give me money. And that word must is, is just such a, you know, I was a pastor in Bangkok and they would come in this and they would tell me, you must give me money for rent. And I was no, I don't have to give you money. We don't, have, you know, and just things like that. We try to coach them like, hey, when you when you go to church, don't be asking people for money. If you do ask, don't tell them, don't use the word must. Just let me give you a little English lesson. Say we need um, things like that. Uh, it's a hard work. Every family situation is unique and different. And um, yeah, pray for them. Um, I, there's there's a call of God on so many of their lives and some people. I wonder if some aren't called to go back to their home or in some way invest back in their home 
uh, and some have gone back because there's, there's no way, there's no way to the West, uh, so to speak. Um, once they go to the UNHCR, if their case has been closed, they can reapply. Sometimes it's been twice that they've been rejected, and after that, they don't even look at them anymore. And so, um, we believe that they have purpose, even though they're living there, and we're trying to help them grow, uh, serve, be a blessing in the church community, um, and thrive, even though they're in a difficult situation. So um, I didn't know I was going to talk this long about the work, but I did. Uh, so uh, great service. Um, but uh, it is 7.55, and so I want to be respectful for your time. But... Um, as you go, I want you to just think about um, your own life. Do a little bit of reflecting, maybe. You know, I uh, we were we were stuck in Thailand, and it was just frustrating. And and we as Christians, we have times that it's frustrating, whether we're waiting for you know God to answer prayers in certain areas, whether we're waiting for God to provide that miracle, whether we're waiting for this, the governments and the this, the world situation to change. We can find ourselves in times of frustration, and we have to remember, remember and to remain with our, our trust fully in him. No matter what's happening, no, I, looking back, I don't know how we survived two years in COVID, with COVID in Thailand with not, without coming home. I don't know how we did it, but we did it. Yeah. I was telling Dad the other day, we all make it. We all make it to the end. Right. It's just, are we going to trust him and, and, and have some joy in it? And choose to smile? Or are we going to be miserable and frustrated and complain about everything? Paul, you know, reading through the, through the New Testament with all the prayers that Paul prayed for the church, he never prayed that the problems would go away. He always prayed that, they would ha- that the believers would have strength and boldness and a deeper love. And these are the things that cause us to triumph in our journey on the way to where we're going. And so, realize, realize as someone who has not been in America and hasn't had the opportunity to be as free as you guys have been for two years, um, we do have challenges, but we also have it really good. Um, and I have it really good in, in Bangkok. We have a great life. Um, and so, why don't you stand with me, and uh, let's just sing a little bit and just use this time to, to really reflect on what God's doing in our life, and maybe what he's calling us to do uh, in the next level. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.